Hello, everybody, and welcome to Sake Revolution. This is America's first sake podcast, and I'm your host, John Puma from the Sake Notes. Also, the administrator over at the internet, Sake Discord, as well as the r slash sake community over on Reddit. And uh, most notably, not the sake samurai around these parts. And I am your host, Timothy Sullivan. I am a sake samurai, I'm a sake educator, and I'm also the founder of the Urban Sake website. And every week, John and I will be tasting and chatting about all things sake and doing our very best to make it fun and easy to understand. Excellent, excellent. Tim, welcome back for another episode. Uh, We are in the midst, for those keeping score at home, (laughs) of our series on Shubo. Yes, the mother Uh, of sake. The mother of sake. Do you want to quickly give a little overview on what that was all about for those who might be a little late to the party? Sure. Let's get everyone caught up. So we're doing a short series on Shubo, which is the fermentation starter, also called the yeast starter. And this is the part of the sake production process where rice, water, koji, and yeast all come together for the first time. And it's where fermentation really begins. And we're talking about all the different ways that you can do this fermentation starter step. So far, we've covered the Sokujo method, the fast modern method. 90% of all sake made uses that method. We've also talked about Kimoto, which is one of the more old school fermentation starter methods. And that allows for lactic acid to be built up naturally. And today we're talking about a third method for making this fermentation starter. And that is called Yamahai. Ooh, I like the name. I've Have always I've always been a fan of the name Yamahai. It's a very it cool name. <laughs> yes. Now, did you know that the name Yamahai is actually a contraction? I did not. All right. So you know in, you've been studying Japanese, John, so you probably heard that they love contractions and kind of different ways of shortening words, right? Sure. Uh, kombini. Kombini. That's, uh, that's, for, the, that's the one that comes to mind for me is that kombini in store is way too many, too many syllables. Who has, who has time to, who has to time say to say kombini? kombini store? Well, you may have heard of Todai. That is a, a, a place of higher education. Tokyo. Mm-hmm. Daigaku, that means Tokyo University, Tokyo mm-hmm. Daigaku, they shorten it to Todai. So if you say, I went to Todai, that means Tokyo University. So that, this, is, uh, that is significantly more contracted than Konbini. <laughs> yes. I think. That's a really good example. <laughs> yes. So there's a lot of these contractions in Japanese language, and Yamahai is actually a contraction as well. Mm. So it, if you look at what it really means, it means Yama Oroshi Haishi, Yama Hai. Okay, I can see why they would why they would contract that. <laughs> <laughs> Yama Oroshi is the pole ramming process that they do in the Kimoto method. So you may have seen photos if you've looked up sake making before people standing over a small tub using these long wooden poles and kind of mashing the rice and water together with these long poles. It's kind of a classic scene that you may see if you look up what sake brewing is all about. That pole ramming, mashing rice and water together is called yama oroshi. 
And then haishi means to stop or to cease doing something. So <laughs> yama oroshi haishi oh, that, literally that's that means... That moment of something clicking, by the way, that yes. laugh was, was definitely uh, was definitely putting two and two together. Yes. So yama oroshi haishi means to stop the pole ramming or cease the pole ramming. So it's the same as Kimoto without that mashing step with the pole. So they mm. contracted Yama Oroshi Haishi simply to Yama Hai. And that is where it comes from. That is a long way to go for saying, <laughs> you know what? Maybe we don't need these poles. Yeah, let's just skip <laughs> let's just skip the pole ramming. And, right. And know, and so <laughs> Yeah. So skip it's the, the same. It's the same ingredients, but they don't do that labor-intensive mashing of the rice and water. And that gets us Yamahai. Yamahai came about in the early 20th century, I think around 1909. So Mm. this isn't some ancient method. This is something that belongs to the 20th century. And this is really when they started to get information on microbiology, Western science, and understand the microbes that drive the shubo, that drive the fermentation starter. They said, hey, maybe we don't need that mashing step. Let's try out just a higher temperature and see what happens. And lo and behold, they arrived at Yamahai. Oh, man. There must have been, there, I'm telling you, there must have been a, a situation where somebody figured this out and somebody else who had who had been sad about having to do all that hard manual labor just looked up and was like, seriously? Like just we we didn't need to be doing this. We have to make a meme of like <laughs> a sake brewery worker holding the pole, being like, What? Really? Holding the pole menacingly. <laughs> One question I get a lot at this point in the explanation is can you taste the difference? between Kimoto and Yamahai. The process is relatively similar. The time frame's the same. The development of lactic acid over time is the same. The only difference between the two processes is that process of mashing the rice and water together with a pole, and the other one just kind of skips that step. Well, mm, what do you think? I don't, I've never taken the uh, Pepsi challenge <laughs> between a Yamahai and a Kimoto. Um, but (laughs) I feel like in my head, Yamaha usually comes across a little bit more, has a little more depth of flavor to me sometimes. Mm. It's a little bit more, a little bit more rough around the edges, Mm. but that could also be what modern brewers are doing with the Yamaha method. It might not have anything to do with the method itself. It might just be the way it's being utilized and, and, you know, all these years later. Right. Well, I'm in the camp that you really can't tell the difference. I mean, any lay person I think could not be able to tell the difference between Kimoto and Yamaha. I think if you had a Kimoto or Yamaha versus Sokujo, our modern method, I think there's some pretty uh, intense differences there that you could suss out, even just as someone who's getting started with sake tasting. But between Kimoto and Yamaha themselves, I think it's a little tough to tell the difference. I don't. I honestly don't think I'd be able to do it. 
<laughs> Maybe if I had a, I think I would need to have like one brewery that had a Kimoto and a Yamaha and then try them both like <laughs> back to back and yeah. then be like, all right, can I, can I even tell the difference? And yeah. that, that would be, um, maybe that would be the, the method, yeah. <laughs> but I doubt I'd be able to do it. So when we did our Sokujo episode, the modern yeast starter method, we mentioned that a certain percentage of sake made uses that method. Pretty, pretty big percentage. Yeah. Pretty big percentage. I want to say something like 90%. That's right. So right. 90% of all sake made uses the fast yeast starter method. What about Yamaha? What do you think the number is for Yamaha? We've got 10% to work with here, John. What do you think we're dealing with? Uh, so 10% left and we've got three starters remaining. Mm. Um, I want to say Yamaha is probably the second most popular. So I'm going to say 5%. <laughs> Well, you you got half of it right. It is yeah. the next most popular, the next most widely used, and it is at 9%. Oh my goodness. Yes. <laughs> so if we put Yamaha and Sokujo together, that gives us 99% of all sake made uses either Yamaha or Sokujo. Hmm. Yep. The rest of these are just little niche types. <laughs> 99. That's impressive. Yeah. And the amount of work that is required really ties directly into how much it's used. So the Sokujo, that's the easiest one to do, the shortest. So that's 90%. Yamaha is the next easiest of the four starter methods. And that gets us another 9%. Hmm. Yeah. As it, com compared to like Sokujo, how long is this going to take? Because mm. you mentioned in our Sokujo episode that Sokujo was the fastest. Yes. So by a factor of how yeah. much? Okay. So we mentioned that the difference between Kimoto and Yamaha is this pole ramming step, <laughs> Yama Oroshi. And other than that, what we talked about in our Kimoto episode applies to Yamaha as well. Mm. So the entire process takes about four weeks. Sokujo, the fast starter, that was two weeks. Mm -hmm. So it takes double the amount of time. And what happens during that first two weeks is we get a natural development of lactic acid. So lactic acid bacteria develops, falls into the mash, and we get a higher concentration of lactic acid over time. And slowly, over the first two weeks, that lactic acid is going to kill off any wild yeast or stray wild bacteria that fell into the mash. And it's basically creating a higher acid, clean, safe environment for the sake yeast to go into. Mm. But with Kimoto and Yamaha, it's a two-week pre-preparation process where you allow this lactic acid to build up naturally. After two weeks, then you add the yeast. And then you get two weeks of fermentation for our fermentation starter. With our Sokujo fast method, you skip those first two weeks, put in lactic acid, high concentration manually, and then you're off to the races. So it's a shortcut that the, the fast modern method that we use for 90% of all sake, that's a shortcut. 
But Yamaha is going to give us a little bit more depth of flavor, which I'm sure you've experienced, right, John? The kind of oh, funky, yeah. that's, that's earthy. Typically what I think of when I think of Yamaha is, is depth of flavor. Uh, a lot of breweries that do Yamaha also like to do like to do things a little more a little more wild. Like mm-hmm. I want to say that um, you know Tamagawa is a very popular sake maker that does yeah. some Yamahais, and theirs tend to use ambient yeasts also, which is another yeah. another step in that. In that, you're getting such depth of flavor, flavor and weirdness out of it. Yeah, so it's not the reason those flavors get in there is because there you have that two week period where. The wild yeast and the lactic acid are kind of duking it out. It's like mm. Mortal Kombat Four going on in there, <laughs> you know. Now, and- now I know that we discussed this uh, last week on the Kimoto, but I want to kind of delve into it again. Does this also present challenges as far as consistency goes? Mm, I think it's a little bit more up to chance because Mm. what falls into that tank and what microbes you're dealing with are a little little bit of a roll of the dice but once that lactic acid builds up to a certain point that's going to kill off everything and create that clean slate that you're after Mm. but leading up to that you get some funky characters in there and you can get some funky flavors out of that Mm -hmm. So it might be a little bit more subject to to craft at that point if you're like going for something specific also mm. and also getting that getting that consistency time after time. I, just, I imagine it's like a lot more a lot more work on, on behalf of the brewer to make sure that they're nailing it every step of the way and getting this to be exactly where they want it. Yes, hence only nine percent. <laughs> <laughs> only nine percent. But hey, you know it's specialized. Yeah. I mean, they do, they do have control once fermentation begins of the temperature, the type of yeast they want to use, the fermentation period, uh, how often they stir the tank. There's, there's a lot of variables that they can take control of once fermentation begins. But that initial period when you're building up the lactic acid, it is a wild and crazy time <laughs> when you know, you're relying on the microbes to do their thing. Well, much like every other time, we have made sure that we brought some examples. Yes. We've got some Yamahais that we brought to taste today. We found some of the 9% of sake <laughs> out there that uses the Yamahai method. A little bit easier this week than last week. But we did. Tim. Yeah. So why don't, why don't we introduce our sakes? John, do you want to go first and tell us what Yamahai sake you brought? To taste with I us today, would be happy to talk about my Yamaha sake. Thank you. So this week I have the Fuku Chitose Yamaha Junmai Ginjo. Um, now I've seen this referred to as Old Virtue, but on the label it also says Happy Owl. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with Happy Owl. Uh, there is an owl actually as part of the label. It's very very cute, and it'll be in the show notes. And he, to me, I think he looks happy, so I'm going with Happy Owl. All right. The name of the brewery is uh, Tajima, to Tajima Brewery in uh, Fukui, mm-hmm. which uh, Fukui, we can get some traction on the show. I mean, a couple yeah. weeks back, you had sake from Fukui, and yeah. uh, and now I do. Great. Uh, the rice is a Koshino Shizuku, which is a local Fukui rice. It's uh, polished down to 55%. The ABV 
is 15 to 16, and the sake meter value is 1.7. So mm. not dealing with a lot of extremes here. Yeah. And a, and a nice – at 55%, I'm very interested in, in tasting this and seeing how that interacts with the Yamaha style, which is, in my mind at least, a little bit more known for depth and, and being mm. a little bit rough and tumble. Yeah. Um, oh, I should also note that this is single pasteurization. Okay. But I do not know which. I do not know <laughs> if it is uh, Namazume or Namachozo, unfortunately. Okay. Well, one of those. Got a 50% <laughs> chance to get it right. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I brought a very interesting and very well-known Yamahai called Tengumai Junmai Yamahai. Hmm. This is a Tengumai brand, and they're known as Dancing Goblin in English, which I think is great. I love that name. (laughs) I do too. This is from the Shata Shuzo, or Shata Sake Brewery, out of Ishikawa Prefecture. Mm, They're going back to Ishikawa. Yep. Great place for sake. We featured another one of the Shata Shuzo sakes a few episodes back. Mm -hmm. But this is their world-famous Junmai Yamahai. The rice milling here is 60% and they're using Gohyaku Mangoku sake rice. Our SMV is plus four mm-hmm. and the alcohol percentage is between 15 and 16%. And our acidity is a little bit on the high side at 1.9. Yeah. And this sake I happen to know is aged between one and two years. Ooh, very nice. Yes, so they have a much longer than normal aging process on this sake. And of course it uses that Yamaha method. So super interested to taste this and share with you all the funkiness that's coming with this sake. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, with the aging and the Yamahai and <clears throat> and the, the fact that it's Tengumai, mm. we're going to get some, some interesting, uh, some funky action. In my case, the uh, Tajima Brewery is a Yamaha exclusive as far as I can tell. Uh, brewery they specialize in that technique and have tried to kind of refine it and improve it as as they've uh, gone on they've been around since 1849 tim that is an old brewery (laughs) yes yeah so uh who shall uh taste first do you want to go first sure okay okay Oh, by the way, my brewery was founded in 1823. Ooh, that's, that's close. That <laughs> yes. is very close. They, they might have been contemporaries, the people who started these breweries. Okay, for those of you listening at home, you do have to check the show notes because this label is probably the cutest owl I've ever seen <laughs> in all of sake dumb. It's up there. Uh, I have a couple of other contenders that will... Maybe we'll do an episode on that at some point, uh, wh- wh- at which point the happy owl will make a return appearance. Yes. <laughs> so I've now I've poured the, the happy owl, the um, Fuku Chitose. We got to talk about color, right? It is transparent. It is clear, but it is yellowed. yellowed. It is in tone a little bit. Yeah, like almost straw color, right? Yeah. Very close. Light, light yellow? Light yellow. Mm. Which is interesting because, again, this is 
you know, pasteurized Winston bottle. Mm. So it is, um, this is not aged like yours was. So that is interesting. And there's not a huge amount on the nose. Maybe a little bit of, um, faint banana, maybe some, a bit of the alcohol, but not a lot. It's not, it's not showcased on the nose here. Uh, and when I taste it, it that that is it is a little bit funky. This is this mm. is very very different. Not terribly dissimilar from our experiences with Kimoto, but a lot wilder than than our experiences with Sokujo, which were mm. kind of if you recall correctly, I think we both had pretty dry sakes. I had a very dry sake, um, but it was a very clean, dry. Pr- I don't want to say predictable, but you kind of knew what to expect when you're drinking it. Uh, yeah. This this is a lot more, a lot more going on, a lot more funkiness, a lot more yes. unusual taste here. Yeah, I sometimes describe it as Sokujo having a little more elegance, mm. and mm-hmm. Kimoto and Yamaha having a little more funk. I like that having a little more funk. Yeah, there's definitely <laughs> a little bit more funk here. And and remember, funk is a quality; it's not a dig. Um, no, no, no. I've had, I've actually called a sake kind of I I, I, t- I always taste like funky, but like I was saying it in like a really positive way, and somebody thought I was like insulting the sake, and I was like no 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 Ooh. no no, no. funky is a plus, it's a good thing. <laughs> I think that maybe they thought when I said funky, they were thinking that maybe I figured it was uh, off in some way mm, or or yeah. spoiled, yeah. and when really I was going for more of a George Clinton kind of funk. <laughs> <laughs> and this has that going on, a bit. Faintly fruity, which is unusual mm. for a Yamaha for me. Yeah, it kind of is. But caramel, which is not unusual. Um, and you know, like almost like a – I have a hard time putting my finger on it. Like a, oh, like a toffee almost? Mm. It's, it's, there's a lot going on here. But again, that's, that's, that's Yamaha. That's Kimoto. This, this is – this sake is not straightforward. It's a little bit more yes. of an adventure. Depth of flavor are the yes. key words, I think. Really layered, layered deep. Very much so. Mm-hmm. So what does the Dancing Goblin have in store mm. for us today, Tim? Well, I want you to look at this color. Yeah. Okay. Very similar. Very similar. Words. In fact, yours almost seems a little lighter in tone. Mm. Well, this is... Uh, I would say this is again a, a yellow or a straw straw color. Mm. Definitely not crystal clear as Definitely far as the not. color goes. And I'm gonna get this in the glass and give it a smell here. Okay, now this is what I would consider to be a textbook example of Yamaha. Mm. It has almost a meaty aroma. That that is sounds so Yamaha to me. <laughs> yes. So there's there's umami here, but it's meaty and mushroomy and smells a little bit like soy sauce and miso and caramelized. The aging that they do on this sake at room temperature adds to that as well, but the Yamaha yeast starter method also brings in this funky earthiness. And mm. one aroma profile that I think comes forward when I smell this sake more than any other 
is kind of a mushroomy smell. Mm. Like shiitake mushroom. I think I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. And some people might be listening to us thinking like, I don't want to drink this. Shiitake, <laughs> shiitake mushroom? Funky what? And it is funky. It's unusual. But in my book, paired with the right food, it'll knock your socks off. Like mm -hmm. it is so good paired with a steak or red meat or short ribs. Just delicious. It's so rich and umami driven. It has tricks up its sleeve that wine can only dream of with the amino acid profile and the umami profile. So good. I think that's like always like the, the rule of thumb almost with with Kimoto and Yamaha, it's like this is the secret weapon that sake has that allows it to pair with uh, with Western dishes mm. in a way that that well, I don't think there's a whole lot of sokujo that can. Right, exactly. Uh, you can't have. I, I I love my my wonderful fruity chunmai uh, ginjos, but I can never think about like oh I'm going to have this with a steak. Right. But but what you're drinking, especially that tengu mai. Yeah. That is, you can have that with a filet and and <laughs> yeah. la di da. It's wonderful. Yeah, we can't end the episode without talking about warm sake as well. Yeah, and this sake Tengumai Yamaha served warm is a revelation. I'm drinking it chilled right now, but when you serve this sake warm, the savoriness comes out on the palate, and it is just delectable so good the umami gets cranked up to 11 and you really get a savory rich velvety texture when you warm it up whenever i hear people talk about how hot sake is bad sake and all that baloney <laughs> you know i just want to sit them down and give them a glass of tengumai yamahai served warm and it is so velvety rich and savory it's delicious it's really worth looking into if you haven't tried a Yamaha yet. Mm -hmm. and, and especially if you're a, a Westerner who is looking to pair sake with Western dishes, Yamaha is, uh, is, is the black belt. Like it's going to do <laughs> a great job with this. Um, I was trying to introduce my family to sake once a very, very long time ago. And um, so... We got a bottle of Yamaha and brought that to go with Thanksgiving. And it was a moderate hit. My parents are Italian. They're not, they wanted to stick with the red wine. But uh, it worked. It, it did work. Um, I got them to admit that they enjoyed it. Uh, and I don't think they were yeah. being polite because, again, Italian parents, they were not being polite. So. <laughs> <laughs> but Thanksgiving is, is – I'm so glad you brought that up because that is a perfect American meal for Yamaha. Like mm -hmm. you nailed it on the head. Turkey – Ha turkey is it, some people don't like turkey because it does have you know unique flavor to it i don't love and, turkey it's very dry oh, i like turkey i'm a big <laughs> i'm a turkey so i i love turkey but okay uh, is that, I'm not, i don't I don't, I don't hold it against you that you like turkey it's just usually <laughs> not for me although i i think you have to have the turkey prepared really well you can't really just well, have somebody right? who's never made turkey before go and try and make a turkey it's going to be a disaster right yeah but Turkey, the flavors of Thanksgiving, and Yamaha. Chef's kiss. That's what I'm mm. doing right now. Chef's kiss. So good. The best. Wonderful. Is that, is that going to be our new thing we're going to say? What am I doing right now? Chef's kiss. <laughs> chef's, I'm doing <laughs> chef's kiss right now. 
And another time we'll do like, you know what I'm doing right now? Salt Bay. <laughs> I don't know when that's going to come up on the show, but whatever. Anyway, I think that, that we have uh, – it's definitely uh, our duty to mention how how Yamaha is the, 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 is the secret component to pairing sake with, with, with Western cuisine, I feel. It's just so – goes so well with so many things that we already enjoy that's already part of the uh you know part of the the western palette and like you said thanksgiving thanksgiving is like mm-hmm. the the microcosm of the <laughs> of the western dinner experience right it's got a little right. bit of almost everything yeah. and the yamaha goes with all of it yeah you know i think one thing that makes me sad when people disparage sake is that people think sake is only one thing like I had, I had sake once in college. I hated it. Mm-hmm. And one thing I hope we're achieving with this Shubo mini series is that telling people sake is not just one thing. By tweaking certain steps of the production process, you can get totally different outcomes of the sake, and they can be so delicious in completely different ways. So sake really is much more of a Swiss army knife than people believe that you can like get all these different flavors and profiles by changing the production process. And it's a little complicated to learn about sometimes, but it's really delicious to explore it and try all the different styles. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and guys, this may seem a little daunting uh, getting into the weeds on this, but yeah. it's a necessary step. And once you learn this, it's going to open up a whole new world of sake, of like parts of, uh, of sake that you never knew were there. Yeah. So far, so good, John. We've gotten Sokujo under our belt. We mm-hmm. got Kimoto taken care of. That's right. We just did Yamaha. Mm-hmm. We've got one more very, very special and very rare yes, kind of yes. fermentation starter coming. Good. And I think we might have to call in some backup for that yes, one. Yes, we might need a subject matter expert. <laughs> yes, <laughs> because, we'll, I'll take it. Uh, you'll take it. Yeah, all right, all right. So yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll work on that. We'll work on that. <laughs> All right. Well, John, thanks so much. I had so much fun talking Yamaha with you. And I really talking hope. Talking Yamaha. <laughs> I think we might have an episode title. Uh- <laughs> and I also want to thank our listeners for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed our little walk down Yamaha Lane. And we really do hope that you're enjoying our show. Yamaha Lane. Yes. All right. It's around the corner from Kimoto Street. Oh, okay. <laughs> If you'd like to show your support for Sake Revolution, one way you can really help us out would be to take a couple of minutes and leave us a written review on Apple Podcasts. It's a great way for us to get the word out about our show. And after you're done leaving that review, please go and tell your friends and your family. You know, at Thanksgiving dinner, you bring them Yamaha and tell them about our show. And also subscribe and please encourage your friends and family to subscribe. This way, every week when we put out a new episode, it will show up on your device of choice and you will not miss a single one of our shows. And as always, if you'd like to learn more about Yamaha or any of the sakes we talked about in today's episode, be sure to visit our website, sakerevolution.com, and you can check out all the detailed show notes. And if you have a sake question, burning sake question that you need answered, we want to hear from you. Please reach out to us. The email address, as always, is feedback at sakerevolution.com. So until next time, please remember, keep drinking sake and come